in Haiti, when you say hallelujah, the whole congregation responds hallelujah. So you say hallelujah again, and they say hallelujah. So we're going to practice that, okay? You ready, church? Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Very good. Have y'all learned this before? Okay. All right. Now, the next thing is praise the Lord. Does anybody have a friend named Benny? Okay. Pretend that you have a friend named Benny. And Benny swallowed a nail. So how you say praise the Lord in Creole is Benny swally tanel. Benny swally Tanel. Benny Swally Tanel. Okay. Oh, you guys are doing good. So, I'm going to say hallelujah. You're going to say hallelujah. I say Benny Swally Tanel, and you say. And I say hallelujah, and you say. I say Benny Swally Tanel. Okay, you ready? All right. Hallelujah. Jesus, learning more and more about God. That is your general calling. But as you continue in the word of God and you continue in prayer, then all of a sudden something else starts getting birthed on the inside of you. And it's not enough just for you to read the Bible by yourself. No, you need to share what you learn. And you need to share it with others. And God starts birthing something on the inside of you. You become pregnant. You become pregnant with something. And then you start entering into a more of a specific calling. Maybe you call to the ministry. Maybe you call to preach the gospel. Maybe you call to evangelize. Maybe you're called to serve in the church in a capacity. Maybe to be an usher. Maybe to be a greeter. I don't know. But all of a sudden you fulfill a position. You, you fulfill a purpose. Right? And then as you continue on and you continue on, I believe that you can go into an even deeper calling 
in your life that brings you to a very unique, special calling in your life. And then you really understand your purpose. And I believe to understand the timing of the Lord, you need to know what your purpose is in life. What is your purpose? Do you know what your purpose Now, we have many people who will self-appoint themselves. You can be self-appointed. You can be man-appointed. Or you can be God-appointed. Now, self-appointed, it's like, oh, yes, I believe I need to have that position. I believe I need to be the person in charge. I believe I will appoint myself. In fact, pastor, move aside. I'm going to be the pastor now. And if you don't like it, anybody who wants to, come follow me. Yes? <laughs> Self-appointed. Then there's man-appointed. Brother, we're going to plant you over here. We're going to plant a new church. And we think that you, you will be a good person to go over there. So just go do it. Man-appointed. Sometimes it's God-appointed also, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes uh, we don't want you in our congregation, so let's plant you somewhere else. Should I not say that? <laughs> We're going to send you out, brother. The calling of God is all over you. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. <laughs> and then there's God appointed. Oh, my goodness. And when you are walking in God's appointment... All hell can break out around you, all over, around. But you're going to stand firm because you know that you know that you know that you know that you are where God has put you and you are where you are supposed to be because God Almighty has placed you there. And then it doesn't matter as much when people lie about you. People lie about the men and women of God? What? Say it isn't so. No, people lie about, spread rumors about you, take advantage of you, degrade you, don't appreciate you, won't you there for everything, but don't have time to come to church. <laughs> right? Man-appointed, man self-appointed, and God-appointed. We want to live a life of God appointed because that's when we're going to understand our purpose. Now, to understand your purpose, it takes a lot of what? A lot of patience. Oh, we do not want to wait. Oh, we do not want to wait for the timing of the Lord, do we? Because we want where the action is. Have you ever imagined, how many of you have had babies? If you have given birth to babies, you carry that baby for nine months. Nine months, right? You're taking care of that baby. You're going and buying a, a cradle. You go put things in the nursery. You're preparing for the baby to come. And you start loving that baby, right? Do you speak to your baby? I know it may look like I have one, but I don't. So you like speak to, hey, we are praying for you. You're going to be a mighty man or woman of God. 
one day and you're praying over that baby and that baby is a growing, isn't it? It's growing and growing until it's time to give birth. Now, can you imagine that after you labor, labor for this baby and you go through the delivery of this baby, that somebody walks by and says, oh, that's a pretty baby. I think I'll take that one. Say what? No, you're talking about my baby. I birthed that baby. I prayed for that baby. I delivered that baby. <laughs> right? But how many times when you are sweating and you are giving everything you've got and you are, I mean, in blood, sweat and tears and finances and you're birthing something and then somebody thinks that they can just come by and, oh, you don't need to be doing that. I need to be the person in charge here. That, that should be my ministry. I'm going to go do what you did over here without all the birthing, without all the preparation. You've got to know what your purpose is, people. You've got to know what your purpose is. And maybe you sitting in here. Oh, boy, I probably. What if you're sitting in here and thoughts like that have passed, passed through your mind? Hmm. I can do better than that. I can preach better than that preacher. I should be up there heading it. I should be the one singing. That person can't sing. I need to be the one singing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Benny swallowed. <laughs> and you have to be able to rest in your purpose when all hell is breaking loose. Oh my gosh. Y'all, you gotta wait for your time. Timing is inquisite. And God does so much as he is preparing you in your time. Don't look at other people. Don't envy what other people have. Don't try to take what other people have suffered for and prayed for and believed God for. God's got something great for you. He's got something fantastic for you. You just have to wait and pray and seek God. Because I'm going to tell you something. You take something that's not yours. How do you spell disaster? In Chewy. <laughs> right? It's not going to prosper. It's not going to prosper. You're going to have to go back to your roots and get it right. Get it right. Now, let's say you've done something crazy like that. As we say in America now, cray-cray. It's just cray-cray. <laughs> so if you've done something cray-cray, guess what? Hallelujah for repentance. Yes? Hallelujah for repentance. Hallelujah for getting right with God. Hallelujah for getting right with people. Praise God. You know, there's nothing more healing than being able to say, I'm sorry. Being able to say, I was wrong. But we think we got to be too proud. No, that's a sign of weakness. Where I come from, if you say you're sorry, it's a sign of weakness. Oh, no, that's a sign of godliness. That's a sign of maturity. That's a sign of, I loved what 
you were saying about Solomon asking for wisdom. What did he need wisdom for? He needed wisdom so that he would have wisdom to lead God's people. That was not his own agenda. That was not him trying to do his own thing. That was him trying to be responsible for the thing that God gave him and that God appointed him to. The Bible says that he appoints us to serve others. Do you know the story about when the master leaves and he appoints the servant over the other servants? He's supposed to serve them. And what is it like when he comes back and he finds that servant has done everything that he has asked him to do? It says he will put him over all of his possessions. Why? Because he was faithful. He was faithful. But what happens when he comes back? And that servant said, oh, my master's not coming back. Or, you know, God's not really looking in great detail at every little bitty thing I'm doing. And look at all this money coming in the master is bringing in for me to take care of the servants. I think I'm going to go buy me something. I'm going to go have a party with my friends. We're going to have a big old party. We're going to drink. We're going to eat. Man, we're going to eat like kings. We're going to have a good old time. I ain't even need to buy a new vehicle or a new wardrobe. And then that master comes back. And people get in the way and say, hey, you're not supposed to be spending money on that. Slab, don't be talking to me. Who do you think you are talking to me? Get away from me. He starts mistreating the people of God. I don't have time. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for your problems. I'm going to go play golf with my friends. I'm going to go. I got, I got other more important things to do with more important people. Then to be making sure you got your food, be making sure you got your needs taken care of, that I visit you in the hospital, etc., etc., etc. You have been given a phenomenally great responsibility. You have been put over the servants of the Lord. You have a great responsibility. And there will be a time when the master will return and we will stand before him. And he will say, okay, how did you do with those that I appointed to you, that I appointed you over? Did you serve them? Did you love them? Did you feed them? Did you give them what they needed? Did you give them the word of God? Are you faithful? You want more? Serve more. So many times we want the head spot so others can serve us. Hallelujah. Glory. Uh, brother, uh, would you go wash my car? Okay, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to stop. <laughs> There's a place for serving. But you know, you're supposed to be the servant of all. If you want to be the greatest of all, be the servant of all. Jesus did not come to, serve, to be served. He came to serve. He didn't come to establish his kingdom and his throne on this earth. No. He says he humbled himself and took on the guise of a servant. It's time to return back 
to being the true example, the true men and women of God where people will know who you are because of your love. Not because of... Thank you. Because of your love and how much they see you loving each other and training others to love. Not to be served, not to be proud, not to be arrogant, brothers. My sisters, it's not what it's about. It's about love. It's all about love. It's time to love. That is your true purpose, is to love one another. Your true purpose is to tell them the gospel, the truth, that God loves you. Pa! <laughs> pa! So much. He loves you. I was uh, getting ready to speak at a singles meeting one night, and I was praying, and I was actually, uh, you know, just seeking God and saying, Lord, what do you want me to share with the people. And he said, Lauren, I want you to tell the people that I love them. And I said, so flippantly, oh God, you know, the people, they know you love them. He said, no, you don't understand. I love them. I love them. I would do anything for them. You've got to tell my people that I love them. And for the next half hour, I was on my face on the floor, thinking how flippantly I had taken the love of God. Tiptoe through the tulips, God is love, hallelujah. No, see, that's not tiptoe through the tulips kind of love that makes a man hang on a cross. It makes him take nails for me. It makes the flesh be ripped off of his bones for me. That's not, that's not that kind of love. He would do anything. He would do anything for you. And he did do everything. For you, he did it. He paid the price. What do you need? What do you want? He paid the price. You need healing in your body? He paid the price by his stripes. You were healed and made whole. What do you need? You need money? He became poor for you. What do you need? What do you want? He paid the price. Why are you doubting him? Why are you doubting him? He'd al he already has shown and proven his love for you. And when you read the word of God, you read the Bible in John 3, 16, when it says, for God so loved the world. No, it's not God so loved the world. No, it's God so loved the world that he gave. You want to love, give. Give. Be a giver not just a taker. How did we get so mixed up? 
How did we get so backwards? How? When did that happen? What happened? Everything got reversed. Jesus came as our perfect example. He was a king in royalty. And he humbled himself and became a servant. And then became a servant to us. And he loved us. And he healed us. And he took care of all of our needs. And he said, now you go and do likewise. And somehow in the church, is this all right? (laughs) Somehow in the church we reversed it. We said, well, now I'm the bishop. I'm the apostle of the area. I have titles now. Now, Now you need to serve me. I'm the, I'm the pastor. I'm the head honcho. I'm the one in charge. You, do, you obey me. In fact, anything I want, I can have. Little girl, come over here. Little boy, come over here. Go into my, my bed chambers over here. What? What? That's cray-cray. That's cray-cray. The very people you're supposed to be protecting, you abusing, what? What? What is your purpose? You got, your, you got off your purpose. If that's happening, you got off your purpose. You got to get back to your purpose. Repent. Get right with God because we need you. The body of Christ needs you. The church needs you. We need you to be in your place. We need you to be in your position. We need you teaching. We need you preaching. We need you loving. We need you training. You got to train and equip. What do you teach in your congregation? If they were to just watch you, just watch you, follow you, watch you, all the time, if they just watched you, what would they learn from you? Would they learn how to treat people? Would they learn how to be better than people? Would they learn how to be better than people? Yes. What do you need? Uh, my associate can take care of that. Go. Oh, dear. I think I'm stomping on too many toes. <laughs> Got to get back to your purpose. What is your calling? Are you happy? Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified Bible, it says that God... That you were reborn to do specific good works. Do you know you are here for good works? Not bad works, by the way, just in case some forgot. Good works. In fact, the Bible says that you were predestined for good works. In the Amplified Bible, it says that he prepared ahead of time paths, good paths for you to walk on. 
He said, you have good works to do and you have a good path to walk on. And the Amplified Bible, it says, he prearranged and made ready a good life for you to live. What? So I have good works, a good path, and a good life. Everybody say that. Good works. Good path. Good life. If you want a good life, do the good works on the good path. Or as I like to say, amen. As I like to say, be at the right place at the right time, doing the right thing in the right way with the right people to get the right result. Amen? And you're going to have a good life, prearranged and made ready for you to live. Do not get distracted. Flee. Run away. Be Joseph. Be Joseph. Do not get distracted. Joseph knew and understood what his purpose was. And number one, it was to love God with all of his heart, and it was to be a man of God. Now, here's something I find extremely awesome, and that is, when did Joseph become successful? When he became the second in charge of all of Egypt? When he ruled? No. When Joseph, look this up, Genesis 39, I believe. Look it up. When Joseph was in Pharaoh's house, Potiphar's house, when Joseph was in Potiphar's house as a slave, now a slave is not success. It's not our typical sign of success. Oh, the slave. No, right? It's, oh, the slave. But if you will look it up, God called Joseph a successful man when he was a slave in the house of Potiphar. A slave doesn't have anything. They own nothing. Everything belongs to the master. But God called Joseph a successful man. You see, God doesn't look at your title. God doesn't look at your position. God doesn't look at what you've accomplished in life. God looks at you for what his purpose is in you, why he created you. And there is a confidence you can have in your life, not arrogance, a confidence you can have in your life when you are walking and fulfilling your purpose. There's a boldness you can have in your life when you are fulfilling the purpose and the call of God that is upon your life that he has put within you before you were ever even born. For such a time as this, God didn't put you here a hundred years ago. He didn't put you here a hundred years from now. He put you right here, right now for such a time as this. And he put you here because he has a specific purpose, a specific calling, a specific task that he wants you to do, a specific place to go. He wants that. He's designed that. He placed it in you. He created you in your mother's womb specifically to fulfill the call that he has upon your life specifically for this time. Now, just like that baby in the womb is not ready to be born until it's ready at nine months. Some people are like two weeks old, ready to bust out. I'm ready to go. I got places to go. Wow. 
You know? No. It takes time. It takes time. You've got to be patient. You have to wait your time. And while you are preparing and while God is getting you ready to be birthed, you need to be praying and seeking God and getting in the Word of God. Get as much of the Word of God on the inside of you. Read your Proverbs every day. Get the wisdom of God so you know what's happening. And all of a sudden, little cutie pie comes walking across your path. Uh, excuse me. What? No. Don't be weak. You've got to know what your purpose is. See, if you don't know what your purpose is, you're going to say, guys, I'll be right back. Uh, excuse me for a second. Pardon me. Gonna... Right? But when you know what your purpose is, you don't do that. When you're fulfilling your purpose and you know truly deep inside that you have a mission to accomplish, you're not going to be led astray by every cutie pie that walks by. As men and women both. Don't be led astray. You got to keep your eyes on the prize. You got to keep your eyes where they're supposed to be. Keep your eyes. If you have a wife, keep your eyes on your wife. If you have a husband, keep your eyes on your husband. I'm going I'm to tell you another story. <laughs> now, I know this is going to embarrass me a little bit, but <laughs> I'm already out here, right? <laughs> <clears throat> So many, many, many years ago, 20, 30, 40, I was an infant. Okay, no. <laughs> no, probably about 20, 30 years ago, I woke up in bed. Have you ever woken up and God was talking to you? So it was one of those mornings I just sat straight up and God's talking to me. And he said to me, Lauren, you think all men are mean? <laughs> Stupid. And domineering. And I was about to say, no, I don't. But it's God talking to me. What can I say, right? I'm like, really? I had no idea. I'm serious. I had no idea that deep down inside I felt that way. You think all men are mean, domineering, and stupid. Now, I'll be honest with you. My mama went through a lot in her life. And my mama said to me one day, after I was a Christian, she said, Lauren, all men are stupid. They're just stupid. I said, Mother, that is not true. Not all men are stupid, you know. But you know what? It planted a seed. It planted a seed on the inside of me that I didn't even know was planted there. Because in my mind, I knew it wasn't true. So here, years later, I wake up and God is speaking this to me. And I'm thinking, okay, this is not good. I do recognize that. This is not good. This is not healthy. It's not good. It's not healthy. And so you talk about when God gets your attention, right? When God gets your attention, he had my attention. And I said, okay, God, what is your purpose for man? What is your purpose for man? And about that time, my mother walked in. And she said, girl, you're still in bed. You need to go to your granny. She's waiting for you. You're going to have to help her with whatever, whatever, whatever. And I was like, oh. I said, mom, I have a question for you. What is the purpose of man? She says, well, you know, they're, they're good for a good time. And, you know, to <laughs> whatever. And I soon realized where I got the ideas. Okay. 
So I thought, okay, that's not it. But I got up, I got ready. I went to my granny's godly, most godly woman I know, my granny. So I'm helping her, and I go, okay, granny, I have a question for you, an important question for you. What is God's purpose for man? My most godly Christian granny. And she said, well, you know, this and that, whatever, I don't even remember, but I knew it, it wasn't it, it wasn't it. Then I had to go visit my missionary friend, and, and so I go to her mom, because her mom raised three missionaries. Godly woman, godly family, have some wisdom here. I said, Mrs. Rimple, this is the mother of the lady I'm gonna go see in Kenya. I said, Mrs. Rimple, what is God's purpose for man? And she said this and that and whatever, and it was good, it was good, it was a good answer, but I knew it wasn't the answer. And then I had to go to Dallas. It's like two hours away. I'm in my car, I'm driving. I, am, I finally pull over off the freeway. I go, I stop at a stop sign. I put my car in park, and I say, God, I'm not going any further until you tell me what is your purpose for man. And if you come back on Thursday, I'll give you the answer. <laughs> I'm joking. I'll give you the answer now. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I should wait. <laughs> okay. God said to me, he said, Lauren, my purpose for man is to be servants. Servants of me and servants of mankind. And my purpose for women, oh, I got a bonus. <laughs> and my purpose for women is to be co-laborers with men. He said, Lauren, look for my men who are servants. If you want to be successful in life, serve God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? Amen. Amen. Shall we give it up unto her?